I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call with them so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion worth of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514-488-3168 and see how Research FDI can help you create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, Please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the We Are Jobs podcast. My name is Alex Metzger, co-founder of Next Move Group. Also, the co-host of Next Move Group is Chad is off again this week. He has still been celebrating his Mississippi State baseball victory. We have not got much work out of him since Omaha, and he drove straight from Omaha down to Starkville for the parade, and we haven't really seen or heard much of him since. So uh, once again, I'm filling in, and today our guest is Slater Barr, who is the CEO of the Dyersburg Air Area Chamber of Commerce. So Slater, thank you for joining us today. How are you? Yeah, thank you, Alex. Yeah, great. Now, Slater, you also are a Mississippi State grad. And if I'm not mistaken, you have a daughter going to school there. So I'm surprised to see you at work. Yeah. So actually, while we're talking, I'm sipping out of a coffee cup that I inherited from my father, which was his Mississippi State Bulldog coffee cup. I went to Mississippi State and then I had three children that have attended Mississippi State. So we've had a lot invested in the program. And of course, we're really excited. It's been a long time coming to win a national championship in any team sport. And so I'm just proud of the baseball team. Kudos to them and kudos to the fans as well who represented us so well in Omaha. Yeah. Did any of your family go up there or did you just watch on TV? No, we watched on TV. Well, that's good because Chad was there leading. I heard him leading chants and pep rallies, and he would have kept you out all night if he were up there. So (laughs) tell us a little bit about Dyers County and Dyersburg, where you've been for a couple of years. How's everything going? Yeah, so it's going well. First of all, Dyer County is in the far western part of the state of Tennessee, bordering the Mississippi River. We actually have the only bridge crossing of the Mississippi River between Memphis and Cairo, Illinois. And so, you know, from an economic development perspective, of course, that's influenced the growth in the community and its ability to attract manufacturing. So, you know, if you run a location quotient on the community, you find that it's got a location quotient in manufacturing sector of 3.1. So, you know, it's pretty high. And I think it's representative of 
the past successes of the community in attracting manufacturing to our area. Oh, without a doubt. I know the area well, and you'll definitely draw from a, a workforce perspective. And I know you've had some very strong wins and been doing strong through the pandemic. So what do you attribute that success to? Yeah, so the story through this past couple of years has been local industry expansion had a huge impact upon the community. To put it in perspective, you know, Dyersburg itself is 17,000 people. The Dyer County as a whole is 37,000 people. And yet in this smaller community, if you look over the past few years, probably about three years, you find that 1.8 million square feet of industrial space has been absorbed. And most of that has come from local industries that have been expanding. You know, the economy didn't really miss a beat very much, even through the pandemic. And much of that was due to the industries that we had continued to see demand for their products, even during the pandemic environment. And so that has kind of kept the community going really strong. Great. Well, that's awesome to hear, especially through the pandemic, but anytime. And I know economic development means a lot of different things to a lot of different communities, and you've got a lot of existing industry excesses, but what does it mean in Dyer County? I know you've got the regional draw and, you know, strong existing industry, but what else you got going on? So I think that the community is really embracing a more holistic view of economic development in the past. You know, when you talk about economic development in the community, it's been primarily focused upon industrial attraction and working with the existing industry. That has expanded. And so, you know, the model that we have adopted here at Dyer County Chamber of Commerce has been, you know, we say that an economy is like a four-cylinder engine and that you have to fire on all four cylinders if your community is going to be successful and continue to grow. And that's the traditional economic development of, you know, we call it jobs and workers, but that's the industrial recruitment, expanding industry, attracting workers, attracting talent, workforce development, that traditional economic development, you know, kind of part of the equation. And so that's one quadrant that we focus on. The others are that you have to have a strong, vibrant downtown going far. You have to invest in quality of life initiatives because at the end of the day, Your community has to be one that people want to move into and want to live and work in. And then finally, you have to support your own entrepreneurs. And so those are the four quadrants that we focus on. And then surrounding those is a framework of having a strong, healthy organization and just overall culture in your community that is supportive of economic and community development. Great. Well, you can definitely tell you're passionate. You've had a great career. Thus far, you know, we've known each other probably close to 10 years now, but what would you say you love most about economic development? You know, I think I like the variety of the job. You know, to me, it's kind of analogous to the difference between being an artist and being an architect. So the spectrum of skills that today's economic developer has to be good at is very, very broad. And, you know, that ranges from you've got to be creative and how you put deals together and how you create your strategies for the community. You've got to have the ability to understand and to analyze 
you know, the financial requirements of your projects and your deals and your organization. You've got to be politically sensitive. You have to understand some of the science because of the infrastructure demands for the land development needs and just so on. So, you know, what I really like about it is that it's not a hundred miles deep in one area. It's very, very broad. And you have to, if not master all of those skill sets, you have to at least have a working knowledge and ability to translate that wide variety of skills and to bring them to your community. I agree wholeheartedly. That's a good way of putting it. And, you know, one of the questions we like to ask, and nowadays there's actually colleges and universities that have master's degrees in economic development, and more and more people are actually seeking out to get into the industry. Back when you started, you know, nobody set out to be an economic developer. So one thing we like to ask is how in the world did you stumble into this career? Uh, Yeah, stumble into it is probably a good question. So for me, you know, my background is I have an electrical engineering degree and really got into economic development through working for electric utilities. I started out with the statewide association of rural electric cooperatives in North Carolina. I went over and helped form the original program for electricities of North Carolina, which was a group of 52 municipalities in the state that had kind of combined forces. And then my career went to the local level, working in communities throughout the Southeast, a short stint in Mississippi, a number of years in Georgia, and then the last 10 years in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, before coming back here a little bit closer to home and to family in Dyersburg, Tennessee. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners and be right back with a lot more right after this. I want to thank LocationOne.com. Some of you know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. In my opinion, Lois is the best buildings and sites database on the market. One of the reasons I think that is it gives you nationwide exposure. So I used to be the economic developer in Paducah, Kentucky, and I made a terrible mistake. I only put my buildings and sites on the Kentucky Economic Development Buildings and Sites database. Well, Paducah bordered Illinois and was within 30 or so miles of Missouri, Indiana, and Tennessee. So what sense did it make for me to not put my bills and sites on a nationwide database? Well, Lois does that for you. Looking back, I should have put my bills and sites on Lois. It's also easy to use for an economic developer. It's just like using Facebook. It walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth. And the thing I like most It works well on my iPad. If I'm in an industrial building, I want to be able to look at that thing on my iPad. Lois does that for me. Other buildings and sites databases struggle with that. So if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare, go over to location1.com, book yourself a demo, and see if this can help your community have more success. You've been in it a long time. So, you know, you've had success in every single stop that you've had. So, Talk a little bit about the foundation that you've built that's led to that success. What's your strategy behind economic development that has enabled you to have such a great career? Just honestly, like every economic developer, we like to hold up our successes, but I've had my equal share of successes and failures as well. And I've tried to learn from each of those. I would say that one of the things that I think is absolutely critical to being successful in economic development and probably any field 
And it's something that I had to learn over the years. A lot of us these days, we take the personality profiles to, you know, better understand ourselves and better understand other members of our team. And I've taken several of those. I've taken DISC, I've taken Gallup Strength Finders. I've taken, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but the Enneagram or Enneagram. Enneagram, Enneagram, yeah. Yeah, so all of those. And when I do that, what it says is that, you know, I'm kind of hardwired to be in the strategy sector, to kind of analyze things and to connect the dots and to come out of that with a strategy. I think earlier in my career, you know, so I've had a tendency to spend a lot of time in analyzing data and to coming forth with a strategy. And what it took me some time to learn is, you know, you'd bring forth a strategy and then you'd wonder what just universally embraced, you know, why doesn't everybody see that this is the right way for this community to move forward? And I think the reality is, is that old truism of nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care, you know, applies there. And so it's really important to not kind of launch into that, but to spend time developing those relationships in the community and hearing the community's thoughts on where they want to go, how they think they should get there, and then kind of blending, you know, your skills in developing a strategy with their understanding and their thoughts about where the community should go. And integrating those, I think, is really important. Yeah. Do you remember what number on the Enneagram you were? I think I was a five, if I remember right. That sounds about right. When you're talking about these strategies, you're taking a very analytical approach, and that's probably suspected from somebody that got their start in, in engineering, in electrical engineering. But when you were a kid, what did you want to be grow up? Surely you didn't grow up wanting to be an engineer. <laughs> no, you know, I was kind of an odd kid, I guess. So, you know, what I can remember even back in elementary school, I had this Indiana Jones vision of what an archaeologist was. And so I used to devour these books about, you know, archaeologists finding bones in the Gobi Desert and everything. And, you know, that's really what my dream was for many, many years. And then I got up into high school and really I kind of lost interest in camping out in the middle of the desert. And then it was like, well, I'm not sure what I want to do, but, you know, I kind of like stereos and, you know, so maybe electrical engineer would be good. (laughs) So it was kind of that well thought out. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners and be right back with a lot more right after this. All right, everybody. In today's executive search spotlight, we are going to touch on a search we are doing for Wiregrass, Alabama. They are searching for an executive director of the Wiregrass, Alabama region. So for those of you all who are not familiar with Wiregrass, it is on the southern border of Alabama. So this is the city of Enterprise, the gateway to Fort Rucker, the city of Daleville, Coffee, and Geneva counties. You're right, probably 70 miles from the Gulf in Panama City on in Georgia. So a great opportunity. All sorts of infrastructure here that you can win in. Not only do you have Fort Rucker, but you're also sitting there with CSX Rail. You have the ports in the Gulf in Panama City. You've got Interstate 65, Interstate 10, I-65, I-85, a couple highways that run through this region, as well as multiple airports 
including Atlanta, Montgomery, Northwest Florida, Dothan Regional Airport, Enterprise Municipal Airport. So all sorts of access. You've also got multiple industrial parks with acreage open. So this is a great opportunity. If you want to come to Alabama, take a job where you can win instantly. So uh, the salary is going to be up to $110,000 based on experience. And we are accepting applications until July 9th at noon central time. So for more information on this great opportunity, please visit thenextmovegroup.com backslash Wiregrass. Well, going back to economic development, what would you say is the best piece of advice you've ever gotten in economic development? Well, I think probably the best piece of advice came from a gentleman who was my vice president when I was running the East Mississippi Business Development Corporation in Meridian, Mississippi, a, a gentleman by the name of Frank Thompson, who is now a professor of marketing at Troy University, but he used to keep a simple sign above his desk and it said, stay on the list. And that kind of focus in industrial recruitment of, you know, don't worry about the issues that will come down the line and everything. Your job right now is to make it to the next level and concentrate on that, focus on that. I just thought that that was just great advice. And so I've taken that with me the rest of my career. That's excellent advice for every economic developer out there. Even when we're doing site selection, you know, the communities that really just focus on not getting eliminated. It always right. makes sure you get it to the next round and don't get eliminated. They're always there. So that's a great piece of advice. Who had the biggest influence on your career? This gentleman came from, when I met him, he was in North Carolina. He's the only person that's ever hired me twice. And so <laughs> when I started in economic development, I was hired as an assistant economic developer at North Carolina EMC, which was the statewide organization for the rural electric cooperatives in North Carolina. Jimmy Autry was my boss. And he soon left to go to... Electric Cities of North Carolina, which was the, as I said before, association of municipalities in the state that had their own electric system. And he called me up shortly thereafter and said, hey, would you be interested in coming over and helping start up an economic development department for our organization? And so I went with him twice, but Jimmy was just a great guy and always positive, a real leader in communications and public relations for the rural electric cooperatives around the country. He ended up at Flint EMC in Georgia and spent his career there before he retired. Again, we talked a little earlier about kind of the analytical part of me, the engineering part of me, and wanting to have every question answered before you move forward. And Jimmy's philosophy was, you know, analyze it enough until you know it's the right thing to do and then fall forward fast. You know, if you wait until every light is green, you'll never leave the house. And so, you know, that made me uncomfortable at that point in time, but I thought it was a valuable lesson and it really helped kind of broaden, I think, my experience to be more comfortable with risk and to be more comfortable with all of the uncertainties and variables that come in any economic development project. Couldn't agree more. That is a great piece of advice. And you know, if you keep having the success, I guarantee you Dyersburg would hire you twice. So 
any <laughs> any last things you want to say before we sign off? Uh, anything I didn't ask you, you want to get out on the airwaves? No, I can't think of anything. Well, Slater, we can't appreciate your friendship enough and appreciate you being on the podcast today. And again, we're going to look for more great things in Dyer County and Dyersburg out of you and your team there from the chamber. And again, congrats on all your successes and congrats on Mississippi State Bulldogs. As much as it pains me to say it, I've gotten probably four to 500 of texts from Chad the last <laughs> seven days. And, you know, so bad I actually had to block his number during the games last week because I couldn't get anything done at night with my phone going off. So, uh, yeah, I'll finish with that. Hail State. Oh, yeah. Hail State. All right. Well, everybody, we want to thank you for tuning in, and we'll be back next week with another episode.